about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. We're going to talk about the importance in the word revealing to us our righteousness and our redemption. Our righteousness and our redemption. These are two of the biggest topics. When you get revelation in these, it will change your life and turn your life around. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Here it tells us that we have been redeemed, past tense. Say, I have been redeemed. Now, the word redeemed means to ransom from captivity by paying a price. To redeem is to ransom from captivity by paying a price. It means to buy back, and it also means to set free. So you can put it in there that you have been set free, you have been ransomed from captivity, you have been bought back by Christ on the cross, becoming the curse for you. Redemption to this point in most of the minds of people who have actually been born again is really just a word. It's a song or something. They don't really have an understanding of what it really means. But your redemption tonight is real. It already belongs to you. Christ has already provided it for you. Our redemption provided righteousness for mankind Mankind basically through redemption was restored back to his original position. That means restored back to Genesis chapter 1 where you were made in the image and likeness of God and you have dominion over everything on the earth. Jesus restored you back to that position when he went to the cross and he suffered and died. So you're back in your original places before Adam made the mess for everybody and everything that he destroyed Jesus put back where it was supposed to be originally. Go to Romans chapter 3. Okay, Romans chapter 3, look at verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Here he says, now it talks about the righteousness of God. Say the righteousness of God. One thing that you'll find out that if you were raised in religion or even in a regular mindset without religion, what you wanted to do is you wanted to earn your righteousness. You wanted to get good enough. You wanted to do well. You wanted to behave enough where God would look at you and say, woohoo, I got to save that person because they are really righteous. But notice that would never take place because of the nature that you had on the inside of you that time. It could not happen. So here it talks about the righteousness of God. God had a different way to do it than underneath the law, than obeying things. And basically he did that as we know by Jesus going to the cross. So righteousness is basically, it's not a religious term, it's a legal term. Say a legal term. It has to do with government, righteousness. Righteousness is basically the ability to stand in the Father's presence, the ability to stand in the Father's presence without a sense of guilt or inferiority, without any condemnation, and without the consciousness of sin. 
Once again, righteousness is the ability to stand in the Father's presence without a sense of guilt or inferiority, without condemnation, without the consciousness of sin. Basically, another word for it is justified. Justified says just as if I never sinned. So since it's a legal term, basically it's the same way in the government that you live in now. How many of you know if you obey the laws of the government, you are in a righteous position with the United States of America? If you rob a bank, you step off into unrighteousness, and there's penalties that you will pay for going off into unrighteousness. So this is a righteous position with God, and notice it's given to you not by your works, but through the blood. Say, through the blood. Hallelujah. Now, this could never happen. The righteousness couldn't happen. Redemption couldn't come to you as long as you were under the dominion of the enemy. As long as you were under the dominion of Satan, as long as you had Satan's nature in your spirit that you had when you were born again into the natural realm because of what Adam did. All of us were born sinners, but once you got born again, you are no longer a sinner. Your nature has been changed, and you now have the nature of God on the inside of you by a miracle. Say a miracle. I believe if everybody just understood this miracle, they'd quit having to have so many miracles to make up for the miracle that they don't understand. You were born again. Your spirit, you as a spirit being, was completely transformed and changed. You're no longer a sinner. You were made the righteousness of God in Christ. So there must be a redemption from the nature of Satan. There must be a redemption from the, from the fear of Satan and all of his works. That's what redemption and justification and righteousness was. Go to Colossians chapter 2. All right, Colossians chapter 2, let's go back and start in verse, let's start in verse 11. In whom or in Christ also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead... In your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to you, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and he spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This is a mouthful. Let's back up here a little bit and look at verse 11. In whom also you are circumcised. Now, everyone, I believe, knows what circumcision is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. Basically, circumcision was something so that you could basically join the Jew club. You got circumcised, you belonged to the Jew club, basically. You were a Jew, and all male Jews had that done. But he talks about another circumcision here, and that circumcision is a spiritual circumcision, which took place on the inside of you as a spirit being. At the time you were born again, the old spirit, the old nature was cut off from you. And basically at that time, through a miracle, you became a brand new spirit, a brand new creation at that time. Look at verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you also were risen with him. Now, when was I buried? I was buried with him. When was I risen? I was risen when he rose from the dead. 
Were you dead in your trespasses and sins? Yes, you were. But he made you alive together. And at that time, he forgave all, not part, not some, not the little, not the big, all your sins at that time. He blotted them out forever. They are gone. Whatever you did before you were born again doesn't make a difference anymore. It's already been wiped out of your life at this point. And then notice what he also did in verse 15. He took care of your problem of Satan. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So what did he do? Basically, the new nature, when you had got the new nature on the inside of you, it freed you from the works of the devil. It set you free at that time when you were born again. You now have the nature of God on the inside of you, and you've been totally set free from the enemy. Righteousness came to you through the blood and faith in Jesus Christ. His victory over sin is now your victory over sin. His victory over Satan is now your victory over Satan. It belongs to all those who acknowledge Christ as their Lord and Savior and confess Him as their Lord. You have been justified freely on the grounds of grace through the redemption that God provided in Christ Jesus. Now, the day that you got born again, you were made righteous. Say, I'm righteous. righteous. Now, you will never get any more righteous than you were made immediately when you got born again. You will grow in your righteousness when you learn to understand how it affects you, how it helps you, how the mindset of being righteous causes you to act in a different way. But you can't get any more righteous than you were when you got born again. The blood took care of that. Many people struggle. They sin, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so unrighteous. No, just simply repent, as the Bible says. Step back in. If you confess your sin, he'll just you and put you right back into the righteousness where you were. So you're a righteous person. Say, I'm righteous. So notice, I am as righteous in right alignment with God as I will ever be the day I got born again. Did I know I was righteous? No. Did I understand my righteousness? Absolutely not. I still had the, the mind of being a worm. I still had my mind of being unequal with God, inferior to God. Don't even look up at God. Be afraid of God. Can't trust God. But as you learn your righteousness and the rights that were provided by Him, say by Him. See, as long as you're taking advantage of everything by Him, it keeps you out of the way. As long as you want to do it, you're the one who's going to be righteous. You're the one who's going to show everybody you're righteous. No, just believe you're righteous. And once again, we talk about it all the time, as a man thinks in their heart, so is he. So if I believe I'm in right standing with God and I walk in righteousness, the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say get rid of your sin and then awake to righteousness. It tells you if you wake up and understand you are righteous, praise God, you will no longer fight or have trouble with sin because you're now the righteousness and right standing with Jesus Christ. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 21. For he, talking about God, has made him, who's the him? Jesus Christ. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. How many of you know he never sinned? He went to the cross because you sinned, and he was taking your sins. Who knew no sin, that we might be made, say made, the righteousness of God in him. So notice, when Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin, he took your sicknesses, he took your failures, he took your diseases, he took everything. And when he went to the cross, he died. And then at that time, basically, he made righteousness available to every single person in the world. But of course, they have to be born again and choose righteousness. But righteousness has already been provided. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he knew no sin that we might become righteous. It says that we might be 
made righteous. I mean, you know, there's a big difference between trying to become righteous and being made righteous. So we were made righteous. We're not trying to become righteous. We are made righteous. Why? Because he knew no sin. He went to the cross. And when he did that, basically, he provided us with a right standing with God at that time. Jesus was delivered up on account of my trespasses and yours. God made him sin with our sin. He was raised from the dead because he had put sin away. And then he made us the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, now look at verse 18. Talking about Jesus, it says, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now notice what it says here. He basically, at this time, he was made alive in spirit, we found out. He was recreated. Jesus was born again when he was raised from the dead. And here it says he was the firstborn. Say firstborn. Aren't you glad it doesn't say the only? No, not the only born. It was a firstborn, praise God. So if he was firstborn, there was a secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn, fifthborn. I don't know what number I am, and I don't even care as long as I'm one of his born. Do you understand? So everybody was born. He was the firstborn, and everybody else followed him. He declared everybody else the righteousness was available. He made the new creation and the life of God available, basically be when he was raised from the dead, so that we could be made right with him, and so we could live redeemed from the enemy. Once you find out that righteousness in your new nature gives you victory over the enemy, you'll always have victory over the enemy because you always have the new nature and righteousness. When you're under attack, you're still the victor. That's why we stand fast against the things that come after us. Are you following me? When something comes in from the natural or a feely touchy or comes after you, you've got to understand whether you're going to choose the Word of God or you're going to choose your emotions or your feelings every single time. And I know it's difficult when you get a symptom to not just say, oh my God, I'm sick and I need this and I need that. But if you learn to stand against things, how many know sickness is not of God? It's of the devil, isn't it? So if he's going to bring that stuff against us, as long as I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, as long as I have a nature that's not attracted to sickness and sin, then basically I can stand against that because my position is in right standing with God. Are you following me? Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 2. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, how many of you partake of flesh and blood? Are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through his death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? bondage. Well, if I was subject to bondage because I had the nature of Satan and Satan had dominion over me and I was subject to bondage, then if Jesus defeated the one who brings sickness, if he defeated Satan, if he destroyed Satan, then my bondage shouldn't be there anymore because I've been totally set free. Are you following me? And who did that? Jesus once again. And here's the thing, because of your union with Jesus Christ, he has become your substitute. 
not just go to the cross, not just do those things, but he took your place to give you his place. I'll say that again. He took your place to give you his place. He just didn't go to the cross just to, okay, you're not a sinner anymore. Praise God, you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm just going to go through this ugly earth, not do anything, and just try to live and make it to heaven. And that's like everybody's told us. No, no, no. There was such a transformation that took place in your life that he restored to you everything that Adam lost when he sinned. He restored it back to you the day that you got born again and filled with the Spirit of God. So here it says he met the adversary in, in Satan's kingdom, and he stripped him of all his authority. He took the dominion from him, the dominion that he had over the whole world that basically because of sin that what Adam did when he failed and at that time he became our substitute and he conquered Satan but once again since we and him are joined together it was just as if you went to Satan and you conquered Satan because he conquered Satan are you following me hallelujah glory to God so when Christ rose from the dead redemption became a settled fact it was a closed issue it was available to each and every person hallelujah go to Romans chapter 5 One of the main problems with the church today is it wants to accept everything they got from Adam's failure and nothing from Jesus' victory. All right, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 17. No, no, I don't want 17. What do I want? Yes, I do. Nope, verse 12. Go back to verse 12. We'll get to 17 later. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world. Now, who is that one man? Adam. And notice what it says, death by sin. Who allowed death to come in? Adam. And so death passed upon who? All men, for all have what? Sin. Now, see, how many of you were in the garden? How many of you ate off the tree? You didn't. But at that time, since Adam was the head of the human race, whatever he did you got the result of. When he died spiritually, and you were born on this earth, you died, you were dead spiritually, because whatever he did, you did. Notice, it passed upon all men. So when he got the devil's nature, it gave every man born after him Satan's nature. When basically he got under Satan's dominion, every man was under Satan's dominion. That's why we were born the way that we were, because it passed upon all men. Well, the same thing happens in reverse. When Jesus was raised from the dead, Everything that he did passed upon all men. So if you're born again, if he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. If he kicks a sap out of Satan, then I kick the sap out of Satan. If he's got victory and redemption, then I've got victory and redemption. Why? Because whatever he did is accredited to me, just like everything Adam did. The problem is we get born again and still associate with everything that Adam did. Are you born again? Yes. Are you, are you a new creation, righteous? I should say not. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. Can you defeat the devil? I should say not. I'm afraid of the devil, for goodness sakes. Are you free from the curse? Oh, the curse is all over my family, always been all over my family. See, we're still associating with the devil, even though we had the miracle. Are you following me? Made, being made the righteousness of God in Christ, and we don't associate with what he did, praise God, in that day that he was raised from the dead and went to the cross. All these things are accredited to us. I mean, we want to get up and say, oh, I'm so happy. This week, uh, I was praying for $20, and God gave me 21 
Well, let me tell you what happened this week. I'm a new creation and I got victory over the devil, praise God, and I walk in dominion and I walk in power and I walk in authority and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You never hear that testimony. But you get away saying, I got $21. Oh, 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 I feel Jesus, I feel. But see, if we take advantage of what, you understand what already been done for us, for God's sake, $21, you wouldn't even be worrying about $21. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, praise God. You know your father's going to take care of you. You know you're standing with him. He ain't going to leave you short 21 bucks. Give me a break. He's not broke up there. Come on now. And it's our attitude and our thought life that are keeping us from walking in these things because we've never been explained to us what took place on the cross and what he did for each and every one of us. Praise God. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Don't get me all excited tonight. It's only Wednesday. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 7, talking about in Him or in Christ or in whom, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Once again, it says we have, say I have, redemption. Most of the church is trying to get redeemed. No, you already have redemption. It was already given to you at one time. He's already done that. This means that we will not have redemption. We have redemption. Now, what has the church taught us? You'll be redeemed when you die and go to heaven. Oh, the day you go to heaven, it's glorious up there. You'll never have to bother with the devil again, sickness, disease, and you keep your peace up there and your joy. Well, that's great, but what am I going to do if I get saved at five years old and I got to live 95 years down here? See? No, it's something that's effective right now. Redemption is not when you get to heaven. Redemption is right now. Victory is right now. Righteousness is right now. The place that he's placed you is in right now. It's not later on. So sin really, Satan has no dominion over you anymore. Sin no longer has any dominion in your life at all. The Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you. But we all got to sin sometimes. Sin shall not have dominion over you. But I just sin all the time. Sin shall not have dominion. Then you get preachers getting up and said, we all fall all the time. I know we sin, but God is so loving. No, he's getting tired of us sinning, to be honest with you, when we don't have to, praise God. Come on, are you following me? Everybody's going in reverse here. No, you've already got redemption. You've already got righteousness now. You don't have to go for that sin anymore. You can resist that in the name of Jesus, praise God. Sickness no longer has dominion over you. Your past no longer has dominion over you anymore. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are redeemed. Well, why does everything have dominion over me? Because you don't know this, and you allow in your life things that don't belong in your life. See, we've never taught this stuff. Don't stand against it. God's in control. Just whatever happens, happens. Figure out why God's killing you, stole your wife, killed your dog, took your house. Don't worry about it. Praise God. God, God, all things work together. No, they don't work together. Do you see what I mean? It's time for us to grow up and, and hold our families down and hold our own lives down and stand against these things because they're all of the devil, see, that are trying to come in our life. But you've been redeemed, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. Didn't I read Ephesians 1? Yeah, we have redemption, remember? went right over your head. I saw it go. It went right back to that chair, third one back there. I saw it. I saw it go back to that third chair back there. I noticed that when I preached it. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Who has past tense delivered us from the power of darkness 
and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we're going to get 20 years from now. After this class is over, we're finally going to get it. When we die and go to heaven, praise God, then I'll be... No, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of what? Sins. So notice, the day you were born again, you were delivered out of the kingdom of darkness, and you were translated into a new government or a new kingdom known as the kingdom of God. You're now a citizen in the kingdom of God. You instantly become a son because you were born into the kingdom of God. You were born a Gan spiritually into the kingdom of God. And we escape the kingdom of darkness. What is darkness in the Bible? Come on. Ignorance. ignorance. Thank you. Ignorance. You escaped it. Until the time you got born again, you were ignorant. You just went along with what everybody told you and you didn't have no revelation. Then all once you got born again and opened this book up and it started dark, 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 telling you things you ain't ever seen before. And then you got into good preaching and started finding out who you were and what God did for you and the things that were changing in your life. And the, and the more darkness you come out of, the more light you come into. Light basically is truth. And the more truth you know, the more you will be set free in every single area of your life. So we have been delivered out of the authority of Satan. Satan has no place in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells him, give him no place in your life. And that's up to us, isn't it? He has no dominion over us. He has no legal rights. He must, you must not get under the opinion of the other people and other Christians out there who just go along and think everything is all right. I'll tell you in the church, worry is accepted. Sickness is expected. But it shouldn't be because we've been delivered from these things. We've been set free from these things. We are redeemed not after we die and go to heaven. We are redeemed right now. And that day, when that day came, Satan now has no legal right to reign over you. He is an outlaw. He's a thief. He wants to keep you in the darkness. He wants to lie to you. Praise God. That's why it's so hard. I'll just mention this here. That's why it's so hard to get up in front of people and teach the word when you know you can. I always wanted to teach the word. I always wanted to teach. Okay, you can teach this week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to teach now this week. Why? Because the devil don't want your perspective. Are you following me? The chances are you may say it a little different than everybody's saying it, and they may get free. That's why we have different people here on Wednesday nights to give you different angles and different ways and different ways to get in. Because some people listen to somebody and say, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. And the next week, somebody will come in and say, man, was that good? And if you go back, it's the same thing the person said the week before, only they said it a different way, see? And he don't want light getting in there. He don't want you to any darkness leaving your life. So he doesn't want people to get up and teach and preach the word from their perspective, see? Everybody says, well, I'll never be like you. Good. Thank you. We've got one's enough, praise God. Can you say amen? Amen, yes. See, one's enough. There's other people with different areas and different ways to come in. Why is that? Because it chips away and it breaks down and all at once it's good. I mean, everybody likes different kind of ministers, different kind of things. As long as they're preaching truth, you don't care what minister you listen to, but if you're listening to some bobo out there, praise God, and it's only because they're ignorant. Are you following me? They're not doing it on purpose. They're just ignorant where they're at and they're preaching you the ignorance that they know, which is keeping you ignorant anyway. But praise God, here it says it's darkness and we've got to come out of ignorance and it says, we've been delivered out of Satan's authority, been translated into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption and also we have dominion and redemption now. So redemption is ours. I'll tell you, redemption belongs to you just like the money you have in your pocket tonight. If somebody came and tried to take that 20 bucks you got in your wallet tonight, it'd probably be a heck of a fight before they got it out. But the devil comes along and tries to steal your health, tries to steal your peace. Okay. No. 
Stand up for it, praise God. Redemption belongs to you. It's a part of your life. It's been given to you. You've got to start preaching that redemption comes when we die and go to heaven, praise God. It is a fact today if you are born again. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 11. I think we were there last week. Verse 11, but Christ, being come on high, a priest of good things to come by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for you. Here it says he walked in with his blood and he obtained an eternal, say eternal, Notice, an eternal redemption for you. He sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. He only went once. He does not have to die again to redeem you or to reheal you. It's already been provided. He carried his blood into the holiest of holies, and our redemption was sealed. It is finished. It is done. Whosoever accepts Jesus as their Savior, confesses his Lord, comes into God's family, and they are free from condemnation, they're free from worry, they're free from fear, they're free from sin. No matter what they did before, they have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Satan is eternally defeated. He has been spoiled. He has been brought to naught. And this redemption, as it says here, is an eternal, say eternal, redemption. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's just start in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of who? Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and now has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Here it says that everybody born again is already a new creation. They're not becoming a new creation. They're not in the process of becoming a new creation. They are a new creation in fact. The problem is your mind has not caught up with your spirit. In your mind, you're still unholy. In your mind, you're still weak. In your mind, you can't do anything. That's why you need to renew. Say renew. Amen. Notice, every, everything you see in the Bible that's got a re in front of it, understand that it's already done one time. Your mind's being renewed. Why? Because when God created man, it was already new. Then it got unrenewed, and now it needs to be renewed. Are you following me? Man was stored at one time. He was created in the image and likeness of God, had dominion. Then he fell, so God had to restore him. Are you following me? Jesus, When man was created, he had the Holy Ghost on the inside. When Adam fell, he lost the Holy Ghost. So now once we get born again, we have to receive 
the Holy Ghost. Are you following me? So he's just doing back to us what we were in the beginning, and he's taking us back there. And Jesus provided for it all. Religion tells you you've got to do it. You don't have to do any of it, praise God. It's already been provided. And when you start to believe it, you'll activate it. It'll lie there dead. It'll be dormant on the inside of you. You'll be a new creation. You'll be wonderful. You'll be all these things. But once you start activating it, and one of the ways you activate it is by claiming it. And I'm just not saying get in front of the church. I'm saying on a daily basis, Father, thank you that you have made me righteous today. Thank God that I am redeemed today. Thank you that I no longer got to worry about the devil at all. Praise God. Hallelujah. But some people are being chased by the devil so much they ain't got time to study the word, for God's sakes. I'm telling you what. He's not that dangerous, praise God, to you when you know who you are and what he did. I mean, he'd leave you alone. He, he lies to you all the time. Why does he do that? He's afraid you're going to figure this thing out, praise God. And he's going to have problems, ain't he? He's going to have a lot of problems when you figure it out and you know what's going on, praise God. So now notice, the blood basically of bulls and goats it talked about in the other scripture. Back in the Old Testament, how many know they didn't have Jesus' blood yet? So they had the blood of animals basically that covered their sins but did not change their nature. So they're still trying to keep the law, which they couldn't do. They'd fail, so they'd send the high priest in. He'd kill the bulls. He'd go and cover their stuff. But now we're in the new dispensation, and Jesus' blood one time takes care of not only ours but theirs. When he came, anybody that believed in the animal blood back in that time that was still hanging around, Jesus erased it when he went to the cross as long as they had faith in that. So he went to the cross. Now notice, he just didn't go to the cross so that we would stop trying to not do what we want to do, like in the Old Testament. He came to change our hearts so we wouldn't even want to do what we used to want to do. So the change is in here. It's not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do That's the way they did it. I'm not going to do it. But how many know they failed every time because they had a nature? Now he changes your nature. So we're not getting born again and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, my nature has been changed. And if I feed it with the word of God, I won't even desire those things. I don't desire alcohol anymore. One time, that's all I thought about. Friday's here. Glory to God. Saturday's here. I don't care if it's Monday. Praise God. I'm going to drink anyway. This is it. Glory to God. And all that was erased. Why? Now there's not even desire. Why? Because there was a nature change on the inside of me, and now it affected my soul and what I'm after. See, when you got born again, how many of you went and started going after God? You even liked to read the Word. Hallelujah. Before that, you thought everybody read the Word was nuts. <laughs> then you found out your friends were tithing. You thought they were really nuts. Then you got born again, and you're doing all those things, praise God. And you can't understand why they won't do it. But if you remember back, you were there. But you've come on it through the renewing of the Word of God. Now you're redeemed. See, now you're righteous. Now God's working. God's working on your heart and mind. So you've got to continue to understand that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been set free. Your redemption is already a reality to you. How many know your redemption will be challenged? Be challenged all the time, praise God. There's a challenge. You're down here near your throne. When you get to heaven, there won't be no challenge. If you think, boy, I'm going to live in righteousness in heaven, yes, you are. <laughs> but you're not going to cast out too many demons up there. And you're certainly not going to lay hands on the sick and they'll be recovered because ain't nobody sick up there, do you see? So that's for down here for us to walk in righteousness and walk in victory and walk into these things. All these things he has given unto us. Our job is just to go in and possess the land. Sound familiar? Possess the land he's given. Well, they had a piece of property they were going to. We've got righteousness. We've got healing. We've got redemption. We've got peace. We've got joy. We've got power. All these things have been given to us and we possess them basically in our minds basically by accepting them and waiting to do that. That's why Thanksgiving is so important. Because even when you don't feel like, thank God I'm righteous. Thank God I'm a victor today. I sure don't feel like it, but bless God I'm a victor today. I'm more than a conqueror today. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then you come to church and they start to play a song and you're just, 
and pretty soon your darn arm starts moving and you don't want it to go anywhere because you're mad and then your knee starts moving. You, oh my God, I gotta sing pretty soon. Don't let me sing. Don't let me sing. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm miserable. Let me there. Praise God. But no, once it gets you, and all once you got to start praising God, and all that crap that's been on you all week long just falls off you like a cloak. Praise God. And you leave church like this. And you came in debating the whole year whether to come or not. Dunkin' Donuts right around the corner. I'll just go there for a couple hours. And I'll get delivered. <laughs> See, those are the thoughts that run through our head, aren't they? Praise God. But I don't do that. Lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Do it. You've got a lot to praise Him for. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, where are we going? Let's go to Romans chapter 6. All right, Romans chapter 6, look at verse 3. He asks a question. He says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk and live in a newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So once again, here it is again. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus was raised, you were raised. When Jesus defeated the devil, you defeated the devil because everything he did, you got to take advantage of just like in Adam's case. He became once again our substitution. Say substitution. And when he rose from the dead, he was the firstborn. And everybody got born out again after him was the secondborn, the thirdborn, the fourthborn. So he was our substitution. We, he took our place so we could take his place. He went to hell so that we could go to He became sin so we could be made. He died so that we could. He was, commanded, he was told he was guilty so that we could be called not guilty. See, everything he did, he gave to us, praise God. He died in spirit so that we could live in spirit. Everything he did was for us, basically, and he was our substitute. Now Jesus has left, and he's left us behind, and now we are his substitute because everything that we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we couldn't do the things in the name of Jesus unless we had his authority. Unless we had his power, unless we had his righteousness, unless we had the defeat of the devil, like every, defeating him like everybody else is, do you see? So we have to have all those things in order to take his place here in the earth realm. Now look at verse, this is good, look at verse 7. For he that is, he that is what? For he that is what? If you're dead, what are you? No, notice what it said. For he that is dead is what? Now here's why the church isn't freed from sin. Because the church doesn't believe they're dead. They believe they're dying to themselves. 
If you're dying to yourself, you're not dead. You're still alive trying to hang on. No, you're dead. I'm dead to sin. I'm not trying to push things out of my life. I'm not trying to overcome my own power sin. I'm not trying to become like Jesus in my own power. I already am like Jesus. I already do have righteousness. I already do have dominion. So by faith through grace, believing who he made me starts to manifest in my life. Are you following me? It's not up to our works. It's not up to what we want to do. And the whole church says, you're dying to yourself. Everybody's dying. No, you're dying to the association of the old man that you had in your thought life and now you're associating with the new man that you've become in Jesus Christ and we're seeing ourselves as Jesus rather than the old man that we were. And how many know that takes a renewing of the mind again, doesn't it? It takes the word of God. You're going to have to study it and find out and see what it says and do those things, praise God. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Who would that be? Adam. By one man's offense death reigned by one. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Who's that? Jesus, Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? The substitution. The one guy sinned. You were under the devil's dominion. You were under the curse. You were under all these things. But by another man, Jesus Christ, you've now been put in a position to reign in this life. Verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon how many men? All men to condemnation. So everybody's walking around in condemnation. But even so, by the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. So now I'm not in condemnation. I'm not guilty anymore. I'm not in fear. I'm his son. I'm part of his family. Verse 19, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall all be made righteous. Well, it's substitution, ain't it? Basically. So basically, Jesus became a sinner that you could become righteous. Jesus became a died so that you could live. All these things were done with you in mind. Notice, he did nothing for himself. Do you realize that? Everything that he did on the cross was not for him. He didn't have to become righteous. He didn't have to defeat the devil. The devil wasn't bothering him. He did everything that he did, even though he suffered and died the way he did, was for me. Everything that he went to the cross to do. That ought to explain love to you a little bit anyway, praise God. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 3. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 18. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. Here it says you were redeemed by the blood. Say the blood. How many know somebody may redeem you with money and a year later may not be enough money to keep you redeemed? Maybe gold won't be worth anything then. But notice, it was by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that you were set free and you were redeemed. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2.
Ephesians is a darn nice book to spend a lot of time in because it explains a lot of who you are and what's going on. And All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just start in verse 1 and cover the whole thing here. It says, And you has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now he's talking about before you were born again. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by what? Nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Now this pretty much explains where we were before we got born again. Some of us were a little deeper into it. Some of us were less deeper into it. But salvation covers it all. Thank God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some people I run into, I say, how are you doing? Are you born again? Are you going to heaven? They say, well, probably not, but I'm not such a bad person. Like there's different compartments in hell. I mean, give me a break. Oh, you haven't been that bad? Well, you'll be like on the top floor of the hotel in hell and everybody else will be down in the basement someplace. I mean, there's only heaven and hell, for God's sakes. I don't know where people get this stuff. Here it says, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That was me. Times past, lust of the flesh, amen. Fulfilling the desires of the mind, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's where we were. But God, say but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he's also raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he's talking about what he did. He went to the cross. He suffered and died on the cross. Mankind had no hope. You had no hope unless Jesus came and suffered and died on the cross, became your substitute, and took all these things from you. So he took them all from you, and the result of that is verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has foreordained that we should walk in them. Notice you are His workmanship. This was His idea. You're a new creation. What for? To do good works or works of power. We are no longer a mere man as the Bible talks about. We are born anew. We've been born from above. We are His workmanship, a spiritual rebirth a new species of being. We now have the Spirit of God, His nature, and His life. All things are of God, and all things have passed away. The old nature that dominated us has passed away. What do you have to do? Renew your mind on the Word of God and discover who you are. We are now sons of royalty and kings on the earth. So we can partake of His divine nature. We can live, of, the Bible says, days of heaven on the earth. And another thing to me I have trouble with is that people don't know if they're saved or not. Sometimes I question that. I believe if you know you're, you've got to know you're saved to be saved. Now, I don't know, I'm searching the Bible on that, but it seemed like when you got saved, you knew you had eternal life and you knew you were born again. But you run into people who go to church and they, they, they're born again and they're still wondering whether they have eternal life or they don't have eternal life. The Bible says you will know that you 
have eternal life. So I don't know if it's just a lack of knowledge, that they don't understand what happened to them or what took place, or if they really need to be saved yet. Are you following me? Because I, I knew when I was born again I was saved. Nobody had to come up and tell me or ask me if I was saved. I knew that I was saved, praise God. I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew that I had God's nature. I knew I was a new creation. I knew Satan was defeated. I knew I could rule now over sickness and sin and disease because I was redeemed at that time. But a lot of people don't even know if they're going to heaven or not, or if they're even born again. So, I mean, I don't really know. You know, sometimes I'll try to get them saved again. Maybe I'm getting people saved twice or three times. I don't know. You know, but I'd rather have them get saved two or three times and not get saved at all, because in my experience, I know. I mean, you know. You're good. People some, some say, you're going to heaven? Yeah. Yeah. When you die, you're going to heaven? Yeah. There's no question in your mind at all. But some people, like I say, may just have a lack of knowledge. They're really born again, and they don't know that that provided it for them. I don't really know how that works, praise God. But anyway, Galatians chapter 6. It was a side trip. That's for all you who are in here and don't know you're saved. <laughs> it's for that one person. Who is it? Must be the person out there in the street. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but what? A new creation. So what's he saying? I don't care how many good works you've done. I don't care how much money you've given to charity. I don't care how nice a guy you are. I don't care if you've done all these great things in your life. There's only one thing that's going to matter, and that's whether you're a new creature or not, whether your nature's been changed on the inside, whether it's been lined up with the Lord Jesus Christ, where you can start making adjustments in your life. People basically who are not born again and going to church and trying to get free from sin are in a bad spot because they've got a sin nature on the inside of them. They cannot do it. They cannot overcome sin. They don't have the power to do it. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ, basically. So God's great love, His rich mercy has made us alive. It has raised us up and it has redeemed us. Hallelujah. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's why we do the song Say So every now and then, to remind you that you're redeemed. Praise God. All right, Revelations chapter 1. Look at verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. There it is again. He was the first born from the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, redemption. And that's where the church has stopped. God loves you. He really cares for you. He loves you a whole lot. He's forgiven your sins. He's forgiven all your sins and now you're going to heaven. He loves you. But that's not where it ended. Verse 6 says, and has made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now I'll tell you what, getting forgiveness of sins is a wonderful thing. Him loving me is a wonderful thing, but it's also a wonderful thing to be a king. The Bible says he is the king of and the Lord of. Well, who do you think the kings are and who do you think the lords are? Say, we are, basically. And you can't walk around with a servant attitude and try to live like a king. 
It doesn't work that way. And it's not really, you know, we try to get everything by faith, and that's all right in some areas. But notice, you don't need faith to get redemption. You need faith in your redemption. You see? Just believe a little bit more, and you'll start living in redemption. No, no. Believe you are redeemed, and then you'll start walking in it. See, faith, sometimes we're going after things that we already got. You don't have to believe God to be righteous. You are righteous. And you won't walk in righteousness until you believe you're righteous. If you're believing God to become righteous, then you're going to have to convince yourself by your own works and acts and conduct that you're righteous. And how many years do you have left on the earth? You're not going to get there, are you? You can't do it. Well, I'll tell you when I'm righteous. When I act righteous, I'll be righteous. Good luck. Praise God. Have a good time. You're just going to beat yourself up and everything. But when you understand you are righteous, then you'll walk in that righteousness. See, that's the way it operates. All right, go to Revelations chapter 5. We're going to make it. And I found out that, that you can preach efforts of people and not get in any trouble at all. You people just need to try harder. You just need to work at it, and you're going to please God, and you're going to become righteous, and you're going to become holy. Just keep trying to do it. I'll go to the Old Testament and show you somebody who was unholy, but who became holy sooner or later, and this is who we're patterned after, and this is who we're going after, and everybody say, Ooh, amen, yes, sing it, brother, go, brother. Or you can tell them, you need more faith. If you had more faith, you'd have redemption now. If you had more faith, you'd have this or that. So people are going, I just don't have enough faith. I just don't have enough faith. But when you preach what you have, you get in trouble. See, that hasn't been preached much. But when you preach, hey, you are redeemed. I am not. Oh, yes, you are. I am holy. You are holy. No, I am holy. Yes, you are. That's what the Word says. See, we want to sort of believe what the Word says when it lines up with our feelings and our emotions. But it doesn't work that way. See, the change comes in your life when you take this Word, you digest it, and you take it just the way it's written in the book, whether then your feelings, your emotion, and your mind lines up with it at all. It doesn't make any difference, and that's where the transformation comes in your life. All right, Revelations chapter 5. Look at verse 9. And they sung a new song. How many have been singing a new song since you got born again? Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and Nation. How many know there are going to be a lot of different people? Praise God. Look at verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the... We shall reign where? Where shall we reign? I can't wait to get to heaven and live there with him forever. You're not going to be there forever. Sorry, Charlie. You're coming back to earth. God's going to have a new heavens and a new earth, and it's going to be a lot better than the one we're in right now. And you're going to be back here ruling and reigning once again for all eternity, praise God. That's what the Bible says. But everybody's into church trying to get to heaven. Once I get to heaven, it's all over with. Or once you get there, you're coming back down here anyway. Why not learn how to rule now? We're practicing now. Do you understand? We're practicing our rulership now. We're practicing our victory now. We're practicing our stuff. But we're going to end up back down here again, praise God. So notice, he did it. He wants us to rule. He wants wants us to reign. But more important, he's given us what we need. We needed righteousness to live in victory down here. We needed to be redeemed. We needed the devil to be beat to a sap. And he did that for us. He's a defeated foe. He's been brought to naught in our lives. Everything that we need from the anointing to the power has already been given to the church. Only the church wants to get it on their own. I go to church every Sunday. I work at bingo. I do all those things, praise God. And I'm just holy and I'm righteous and I just got the power of God. And people are going to say, is that how you got power? Yes, I did. Thank you, Jesus. I did it myself. I didn't need Jesus. Jesus, I don't know why he went to the cross because I've been doing bingo to get there all my whole life and I finally got there. 
See, what are you doing? You're not glorying in God. You're glorying in yourself, for God's sakes. No, no, it's all done by Him. It's all done freely. You just claim it, praise God. If you're holy, you're holy because the blood paid for it. If you're anointed, it's because He anointed you. If you're full of the power of God, it's because He gave you the power of God. If you defeat the devil, it's nothing. But you already defeated the devil, and so did you, praise God. Just kick him around again next time he comes around, see? We magnify these things because we don't understand that He provided these things. And people say you're in pride. No. You want to talk about love? You love people a lot by what they've done for you sometimes. And when you find out that He's done all this stuff for me, if I was the only one here, and He did it while I was a sinner... You think he'd wait until I straightened up a little bit before he came down and suffered and died? But he did. He did it while I was a sinner, for God's sakes. It shows you how much love he got. So I love him. I love him because he's made me righteous. I love him because he's made heaven available to. I love him because he's made me holy. I love it because he's given me power. I love him because he has done all these things, and they have very little to do with me, only accept and take what he's already given to me and claim. Say, I am holy. I am righteous. I am certainly redeemed. By the blood. I choose to receive everything that Jesus provided for me. I am going to stop trying to do it myself, working my mind off, working my tail off to try to become what Jesus provided for me. He's my hero. He's my master. He's my substitute. He gets all the glory. I love him so much, and I give him praise tonight. In Jesus' name. All right. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap. the kingdom of God and his righteousness.